podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Eddie Gibbs and welcome to another episode of Off The Wall, the podcast where we give you a little flavour of what's going on over on the paywall side of Anfield Index over at uh, Anfield Index Pro and uh, I don't have much voice still, I'm back from Madrid, uh, I'm trying to uh, limit my talking time uh, as you can probably hear, uh, there's a bit of a gravel in that voice still so uh, hopefully all being well back to normal next week but uh, we did want to bring you in off the wall and uh, we've had some amazing content on AI Pro uh, celebrating Liverpool's rise to the top and uh, our rightful place again as European champions for that sixth time and all that's come with that the uh, the excitement out in Madrid the uh, celebrations afterwards the uh, parade on the streets of Liverpool our club has really excelled itself uh, this week and I'm sure uh, you'll all have loved seeing all the content that's been out there and AI Pro have tried to play our part in that. There's a whole load of shows out there. There's uh, Jan Mulby, there's our Rate Don't Hate show. There's, there was an amazing post-match role where Trevor and the guys got together for about two hours after the game. If you want to listen to any of that content, and all you have to do is head to anfieldindex.com forward slash join, where you can get seven days completely free with no obligation to buy of all the Anfield Index Pro content. The whole back catalog's there, so you can go and indulge in that to your heart's content and get your... Uh, your Liverpool uh, fix, if you like, on all, all all things that have gone on since the Champions League. But we are going to give you a full show today. Uh, we're going to give you uh, old school. Now, these are two guys, if you've listened to Anfield Index over the years, you'll have heard so much of their voices uh, since we started podcasting in 2013. The reason we've gone with the po- this podcast, it's called Old School. The reason we've gone with Old School this week is we wanted to give you a real flavour of not just the journey Liverpool Football Club have been on and how the team's evolved since uh, 2013, but also the Anfield Index story, because these guys have been there pretty much right from the start. It's Gags Tandon, our founder, uh, the pod father, if you like, and you may saw that iconic uh, picture from the stadium uh, in Madrid with his pod father top on that Harinda kindly gave him. And he's joined by Dave Hendrick, and really these two lads just chew the fat on everything on the journey for both Anfield Index and for and for the team. So uh, we thought this was a great one to give you, but there's so much more out there. Uh, one of the real highlights, uh, Nina Kauser speaking to uh, John Harding, the uh, German football correspondent on all things Jurgen Klopp. A really fascinating listen on our Euro Incision podcast. So uh, do go and get that free trial, anfieldindex.com forward slash join. And in the meantime, I'll leave you for the next hour and a bit with the... Uh, the dulcet tones of Gags Tandon and Dave Hendrick. Here we go, folks. Old school. Enjoy. Gaggin! Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Did something happened over the weekend. Oh my god! Something unbelievable happened over the weekend. I didn't think we would. Uh, I was losing a little bit of faith in in the in the karma gods, man. That something good would have happened for us. It's been a long fucking time. It has. Well, it's been. Since the last major trophy, it's been 14 years. I know we won an FA Cup and a League Cup in the, in the interim, but the only two that really matter are the Premier League and the Champions League. And 14 years, we, we finally got that off our back. It's all, That's it. That's the gap. It's not going to be like that moving forward because we're in such a good place as a football club. And we're going to cover all that, man. The, but, you know, this part is... Is old school, you know, you've had, you've had all of the, 
the the post match stuff really from from Dave on Raw in depth. You've uh, I've just been speaking to Sachin and Nin on Media Matters, covering a bit of things in terms of you know how, how it was out there and a couple of stories. But this is this is about this is about old school. This is about AI. We're gonna we're just gonna shoot you know as friends and talk about Liverpool as our journey and how fucking amazing it feels for us and for us on this website as well. You're listening to this. That's the type of stuff you're going to expect. So if, if that's not what, you know, doesn't tickle your fancy, then probably not worth sticking around. But I suppose if you're listening, you know that's going to happen on old school. This is massive, mate. This is fucking feel, it felt huge just in every sense. We've talked about the managers. There's going to be specific pods on the manager who's a legend now, uh, without a doubt. Um, there's, there'll be, there'll be specific player pods, I'm sure, in the future, stuff we're planning. Um, but this is going to be a selfish one. This one's a selfish one for us. Um, fuck me, man. It's, 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 it's like eight, nine years of hard work on this website to get to this point to fucking cover something that meant something and i know it all means something it all because you love it and we we love it and we're passionate about us we wouldn't do it but jesus christ that felt good dave i can't even explain how good it felt in every level not just a fandom level but professionally everything it just i could breathe yeah i mean trev mentioned it on on raw like it just does in terms of us doing this and Obviously, myself and yourself have been doing the AI pods even longer than Trev, and then you've been doing AI longer again. Mm. And it is sort of, you know, we, we, we came so close in 13, 14, and, and the, I, there's times I still go back and listen to those podcasts and just listen to the journey yeah. that we had that season because we started doing these that season. Yeah, and you know you, you could tell as you listen to them, you can you can sense the anticipation building in all of us across the season, and we had our ups and downs, but you obviously it ended in disappointment, and then we obviously last season, yeah, of course, sorry, last year, well, last yeah. season we started doing pro, yeah, and of course does the run to the Champions League final, and it, again the the kind of sense of anticipation, the build up. And I said to the guys, I listened on, on the morning of this year's final, I listened to the pod we did last year mm. after last year's final when we all tried to put a brave face on and we all tried to be positive about things. And you can just hear it in all our voices. And the same in the post-Chelsea one from thirteen fourteen. you can hear, I know I heard it in my voice, where I'm very, very, you know, stoically trying to stay positive about things. When in truth, it's, it's it was crushing. Like it was absolutely fucking horrible. The parallels, man. I can't believe it. First year of AI Pod, we came second in the league to that. Gerard slip was all there. That was what even made it hurt even more. And then last oh. season was the first year of AI Pro, and the carrier's the conversion stuff thing, happened, yeah. and it was crushing again. But crushing in a in a different sense. That it pretty much crushed the fan base. Didn't crush the club, obviously, because of Klopp, because of the players are saying as well, because of Klopp. But then it crushed a player, definitely. You know, it it, it crushed him. And it did. It's sad. It's and sad either way. I know people hate carriers and stuff, but... Yeah, well, those people are dickheads, though. Yeah, human, like, at the end on of the day, human level, that hurts. Like, 
he's know? just a footballer. Yeah. Um, and he's and he's a normal human being who went through an absolutely horrendous time. And it's a year later, and I think I think the tweet he sent out after the game, oh, so I classy. think that's probably, hopefully, that's him able to close a book on a, hor- a horrendous year of his life where, yeah. he, I mean, he, he people forget, if, if it hadn't been for him, we don't get to the final last year. No. He made big saves at big times. He helped us get to the final last year. Yeah. Um, but then, obviously, the final happens. Then there's the concussion stuff comes out, and he gets even more abuse over that from mindless dickheads. And then he goes to Turkey, and it's all a bit up and down across the season. Yes. Finally finds a good run of form, and then we win the, the the Champions League. So now he's able to tweet that out and say how happy he is for everybody, and it's it's great to see him finally in a good place. And how weird um, is it, though, that... And and I just mentioned this on uh, Media Matters as well, so sorry for repeating it myself, folks, but how weird is it that pretty much a goalkeeper's won us... Mm. It's arguable, sorry, you can be argued that a goalkeeper's won us a Champions League. When you look at the story of that Napoli saves, the saves against Barca at home in a way, um, and then the saves in the final, there's, a, there's an argument to say that Alison Becker, you know, has a big hand to play in winning the Champions League as well. Oh. Huge, absolutely huge. But like, I liked what I liked. I liked Van Dyke's um, post-match press conference when he was he was asked about the same thing. Like, he said the, the guy said to him, "Do you think that last year a goalkeeper cost you the Champions League, and this year a goalkeeper won for you? Is that the difference?" And he said, "No, no, it's not. That's not the difference, and it isn't. Like, I mean, you can boil it down to yeah, Carrius cost us two goals last year, and Allison." Kept a clean sheet this year, but let's be let's all be real about last year. We got f- completely outplayed in the final. We got embarrassed in the midfield area, and we deserved to lose that final. This year, we deserved to win the final. This year, we were the better team. We were the more in control team, the more disciplined team, and it's everything that all of us here on AI have ever called for Liverpool to, to be. And <clears throat> I kind of feel like. We're not there yet, but the, the the club is almost at the point where we have all been asking for it to be for years. And when when we win the Champions League, the, the Champions League, when we win the Premier League, we will be there. That's all we've ever wanted, and we've taken shit from all corners over the years for not being as supportive as some other, you know, fan groups or whatever. But all we've ever wanted was was to win because. That's what it's all about. And yeah, it's about supporting the team, but it's about winning. It At this club, it's about winning. Like, Bill Shankly, if you, if you read the quotes from the man, all he ever talked about was winning. Bob Paisley was the same. Bob Paisley has described coming second as the bad years. So, like, this club is built on a foundation of winning. We're known throughout the world for winning. We have this enormous, passionate fan base because we won. We won in the 70s. We won in the 80s. And then the kids of those people who saw us win in the 70s and 80s became the next generation of fans. And, of course, you've got all the local fans that grew up 
and they heard all the stories of, of what happened in the 70s and 80s from people that witnessed it firsthand and, and saw the players on a daily basis around the city back when things were a bit more you know, simple. There wasn't social media and players' lives weren't constantly on display. And it's built us to a point where, like, the scenes yesterday, gags, there's no other club in the world that has what we have as a fan base. And I know people talk about Liverpool Twitter and all this being a toxic place and the amount of infighting, but it's all, if you, if you boil it down, it is all because we want the same thing. We just, some of us want to go about it a little bit differently, but all of us want Saturday night. All of us want to see Liverpool Football Club winning major honours and Liverpool captains lifting major honours and the celebrations and the interviews and all that goes with it. That's all any of us ever wanted. And the purpose of AI and AI Pro has always been just to call and champion for that for Saturday night. And if people have had a hard time understanding it, I hope they understand it now. Yes, they they must because it's that's all anyone's ever wanted is 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 to win a title, is to win hmm. well, not a title. We want to win loads. loads. We want to win loads and and like th- there's never been anything else if if there's why would there be an agenda the only ever agenda, right, folks, is to win. Yeah. Is to want the club to win. Because why the fuck are we going to spend five, six, seven, ten hours a week on something, right, that we want to fucking fail? Like, just try and wrap the logic around that for a second. At least those that don't understand it. Like, I, I just, it, it makes no sense to me, especially when that shit started with the agenda stuff. Like, what are you on about? What, if there's someone that doesn't, like the style of play from some player, what do you think it's because of? It's not because it, there's there's a hatred for the players, it's because they don't like what they see on the pitch, and therefore it's because they think we can do better, and if we can do better, it leads to this. Yeah, but like the agenda thing has always sort of been aimed mostly at me and then at everybody else for kind of just going along with what I wanted. That's... That's where the root of it was. That's never been the case. Never once have I asked anybody to agree with me. Never once have you asked me to tone it down or, or do anything other than when I told them all to jump off a cliff. One yeah, yeah, I told you to stop telling people to kill themselves. Yeah, yeah well, uh, you know, and I, I, I stand by what I said at the time. <laughs> oh, um, look, I, 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 I do have agendas, gags. I have the agenda that I want Liverpool to be the best team in the world. I have the agenda that I want Liverpool to win every fucking honour every fucking year. And I have an agenda that I don't want shit players at the club. And that's it. And that should They're be the agenda of every fan. Exactly. Yeah. And if it's not, then I, like, I don't understand. Maybe you so, just enjoy so, so, suffering. So the other way I is, don't like the other thought is, I understand. I get you. I understand your way. But the other thing is, people are then... People then kind of say, we don't support, we're not supporting. But this is a service, this is a podcast service to give you an objective view, yeah, of what we think. It, we do support, yeah. we want them to win. Oh. We we are happy yeah. right now. There's no one, I suppose, actually, we're all equally the same happy. Myself and Dave, I'm not more happier than him. He's not more happy than me. We are fucking over the moon that we won. Mm. 
The trophy and that every single player is biting on that fucking gold medal in every video and yeah, looks exactly. crazy. It's beautiful. But people seem to be under the impression that I would be unhappy that Jordan Henderson lifted that. Like, what the fuck is wrong with people? I don't care who lifts it. I don't care who lifts the trophy. As long as they're wearing a Liverpool jersey, I don't care. That's the only thing that matters to me is that they've, is that the team have won. And if you're using a certain player lifting the, 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 the cup to, Try and prove your own point, then you're the one with the agenda. If you're sending out tweets with a picture of Jordan Henderson lifting the trophy, going, he's vindicated all of us. First of all, you're a fucking idiot. And secondly, you're the one with the agenda. The only agendas I've ever had are that I want the very, very best for my club. And it doesn't matter. Dude, that story about Hendo's dad. Like that, that choked me up, man. Yeah, that's. I mean, and he played through that pressure. That's nuts, right, man. You like, know that. That's you like know. that's the thing. I, we we talked about this before, though, with Jordan Henderson. How you never ever know what's going on in in his life because he's so quiet. Like when Private, Gerard was yeah. the captain, we knew everything that was going on mm. in his life. We knew I think he had a lot of uh, he had a lot of snakes, you know, Stevie. Like people would just tell his story to people. Well, that's because he was so well known in the city. So that's that's probably the one thing that counts in Henderson's uh, in Henderson's favour is that he's from Sunderland, Mm. and like people from Sunderland don't really tend to leave Sunderland or speak to anyone who's not from Sunderland uh, because they're very insular. Whereas Gerard was from the city, was at one point going out with someone who was from the city and very famous because she was on Brookside, Jennifer. Jennifer Ellison. I can't remember. I don't watch it, so I wouldn't know. I think that was the girl, but he right. was going out with her, and then there was loads of fucking nonsense about, you know, some gangster or something. I don't know. But it was all crazy, like... And then, like, obviously, when Stevie had his kids, because his missus was quite well-known as well, it was in the press and all this kind of stuff. Where Henderson... I mean, Henderson could have triplets tomorrow, and none of us would know about it for six months. You know, and and the way he's handled this with his dad, massive credit to him. I mean, you know, we're not going to talk about performances in the final, but the the fact that he went in the pitch, uh, with with that hanging over him, I mean, that's huge. Um, and and this, this the picture with him and or the video of him hugging his dad afterwards, it, it's it's it is it's an absolute, it's a, it's a great thing to see. And that's, I mean, you know, look, kind of. We won the European Cup. Like, that's the only thing that matters. Yes. In a footballing sense. Yes. In a footballing sense, the only thing that matters. But when you see what happened with Henderson afterwards, I guarantee if when his dad got the diagnosis, someone said to him, Jordan, either your dad will be okay or Liverpool can win things, but you can't have both. He would have taken his dad being okay a thousand times out of a thousand. And rightly fucking so. Yeah. Because that's real life. Yeah. And the other thing is just a game. Yeah. And... It is, I mean? it is just a game. It's just a game. <clears throat> and people take it too serious, you know what I mean? So, I mean, the the beautiful thing that the story is, Dad said I took him to a Champions League final when he was a kid. And and today, he's Did he won say it. which one? He didn't say which one, but he just said he took him to I'm one. I'm curious and, to what one he took him to. Yeah, because he, he's got the bug for it, obviously. And he goes, it's been a dream of his then, since then. I wonder, was it 99? Did he bring him to the new Camp to see United? Because I remember... 
hearing that his dad had tried to sway him towards going to United. Mm. And then United obviously had the concerns over the way he ran, allegedly. Or so Ferguson claimed. I wonder, was it that one? Because um, I know he was a Sunderland fan himself, like Jordan was. Yeah. Probably still is, obviously. But I wonder, was his daddy a United fan? Or is his daddy a United fan? Is that is that the finally brought him to? If so, I bet he... like. That's the thing. Like, if imagine him as a United fan, seeing his son, Liverpool captain, win the European Cup. <laughs> like the football fan side of him is like, oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> yeah. I think you know what though. Like my dad, United fan, he, he because of AI Pro, and because I'm invested in this, he said, "Fuck United." You do it for your kid. Of course you do. You do, for, and that's why he, you know, if he, I mean, if he, we're we're guessing, but I reckon if he was, I reckon he's a Liverpool man through and through now. I mean, now oh, Jordan's yeah. a, a Liverpool winning captain in the Champions League, you know, and and that's gonna live forever, you know, forever, 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 and that's look look what it is. And so for you know, he will be proud forever. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, and like, he should be. He yeah. rightly should be. Like that's no matter what else happens, that's gonna be the greatest moment of his career. Mm. Do you know, yeah. so he should he should absolutely enjoy every minute of it. Like because to be honest, we could go buy more midfielders, and then this season already, Jordan's playing time has been a bit hairy. Well, you know, so it, you don't know what's going to happen in the future. That's the, it. Klopp isn't. Um, we think he's a he is a romantic, but he's also shrewd and very he, ruthless. ruthless. At the end yeah. of the day, we will most likely buy a midfielder this summer. And Henderson um, and Ox will be back, and Naby will play a lot more next season. And Henderson is going to find his minutes a lot more limited, and and that's fine. Like from a footballing point of view, that's from from a Liverpool point of view, that's fine. Um, like it's not going to hurt us to have him play less. Uh, but it, it might it might work in our favour when he's fresh. But nobody can ever take yeah. that away from him now. That away from him. That's and that, mm. that's that's what I've always like. When people criticise us, especially me, for saying things about players, you have to take them in context. When I say someone's shit, I mean their shit in terms of what I expect of Liverpool mm. and what I saw Saturday night. Like, that, that level, the Champions League winning club. So, mm. like, when I say, like, Dejan is shit, I don't mean, like, he's shit compared to me and you. <laughs> he's a million times better than me or you. He's mm. the best player any of us have ever seen like in our schools or in our local towns or whatever, but compared to the level, so that's that. Like that's always been my thing. I've always sort of set a bar, and players either reach or they, or they don't. And I, I'm not ever going to not say whether they reach or they don't. And I'm always going to word things randomly because that's how I do. But yeah. like, if Jordan Henderson's or or Lucas or or like Lucas was obviously the oh one, my god, like, Lucas is the one that started. I mean, it. And I know Lucas did listen to this. They did listen to AI and had a good cry about it. But like. Do something else with your spare time. Like, don't be worrying about the opinions of fans. That's that for me is always why I think we struggled was that we had too many players who were worried about the opinions of fans. And when you listen to great players like Sunes or like Roy Keane, winners like real winners, they always said like they didn't listen to what the fans were saying. They didn't read the newspapers. Mm-hmm. They just got put their head down and got on with it. I remember Ronnie's and stories. Like, Ronnie saying he was shouted at every game all the time. But it just drove. He just moved on. Ronnie Whelan, that is. He just said yeah. every game he was always he was always the one that was picked on. Uh, yeah. Everyone there was a joke in the squad that they hate you. But, but he the just funny carried thing on. Is, 
Ronnie Whelan, if he played today, will be appreciated for what he was, which is an absolutely brilliant midfielder. Mm. Brilliant on the ball, great work rate, great defensively. Great Ronnie Whelan could do everything. And it, it's actually it's insulting when you see, you know, over the years, a bunch of mediocre players been compared to someone like Ronnie Whelan, who's one of the best midfielders to ever play for our club. Um, like, not quite Sunes level. No. But just below it, mm. um, Ronnie could do everything, and he was obviously very unfortunate with injuries towards the end of his Liverpool career. But like Ronnie was a great player. I thought so. One of my favourites, man. He, he, I mean, you talk about placing a free kick into top corners. That boy could. How many people yeah. in our squad could do that? By the way, we had Barnes, him. I like, remember <laughs> we played. We played Portsmouth. Yeah, semi final in the cup. No, was it semi final? Was it semi final? No. I think it was a quarter final in '92, right? And Ronnie took a free kick late on, yeah, and hit the crossbar. I think Barnes scored from the rebound. Yes, I think that's right, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that was I think that was a quarter final. Darren Anderson, I remember watching in that game for Portsmouth and thinking, geez, he's really good. And then he ended up at Spurs and ended up ended up injured for his whole career. But, um, like, uh, it's it's players shouldn't worry about what we say. It shouldn't affect them. They should have far more important things to be doing with themselves than, you know, reading the mentions on Twitter. Like, first of all, if you go on Twitter and at a player, you're a dickhead. But players shouldn't concern themselves with that type of nonsense. Like, they should just, they should just forget about it. Like, at the end of the day, they're professional footballers. So they've made it to that level. They're good enough to be at that level. And they should, they should just, you know, Ignore all the, all the morons like me. Um, that's what they should, <laughs> should do. But like, and if they don't, that's not my fault. Like, that's not my fault if if a player's feelings get hurt because of something I said five years ago. Mm. Um, I'll never forget like the night he followed Lucas followed me either, and then I followed him back and DM'd him asking if he, if he was all right, and then he blocked me because you know, yeah, we'll. we'll, we'll. And I have to stay in the, those, those stories might have to stay in the vault for a while. We'll bring them out one day, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, Dave, I want to, I want to talk about intangibles because obviously this is the best place to do it. It's not a stats show. It's not a, you know, tactics show, but maybe the minefield guys as well. If you're listening out, um, uh, maybe you can try and cover this. Uh, but from our point of view, a fan's point of view, when you have a team that Kind of gets the, not the, the, not bottlers, but kind of, you know, has this thing about not, not getting over the line with, you know, title races and Champions League finals and, you know, Klopp having six finals last, um, in mm. a row. You have all these stigmas joined on top and then you have the pressures that each player has. Henderson has his own story. You know, uh, Firmino never won a trophy. Mo had last year's, uh, you know, hanging over him. You know, all these little things going on in everyone's head and things, you know, you know, it, psychologically it can become a real big burden, you know, on a squad. And, of um, so when you get over that line, and any kind of fear or any kind of inhibition, any kind of doubt over your, over your, you know, ability. Could it be, could it just be that this is the, this is the catalyst now to say from next year, these guys are so, they believe in themselves so much. They won't fear anything. 
and they could literally just say, we've done, we've, we can do this. We've done it once before. We can go and do anything we want. Of course, the the belief that this is going to put into the players will be incredible. I mean, the fact that, you know, let's like, I mean, if you look at the finals that we've lost over the last few years under Klopp, uh, well, first of all, like the 13 14 season, yeah, we, we absolutely bottled that. There's, there's no, way round it, we we had that title in our hand and we bottled it. Simple as that. End of story. But there's only one player left at the club from from that, and he missed us bottling it because he was suspended. And that's Jordan Henderson. So he can't be involved in the bottler tag because he missed the games where we threw it away. Um, he was vital at that time, unbelievably. I'm just yeah, being weird. And, that, and that's the thing. And then he got suspended, and then the, then the rest of them bottled it, and the manager bottled it. More to the point, but that's fine. But that's an old team. That team isn't even relevant to what's going on now. Under Klopp, League Cup final against Man City, massive underdogs, and that they're, you know, winning. I think they won the league that year, didn't they? No, no, Leicester won the league that mm. year. City had obviously a much more expensive team. They'd won the league actually started the year before. Uh, most of those same players, company, Aguero, Silva, all those City legends, they were all there. They were favourites to win that final, and they won that final. And that's fine. We didn't bottle that game. We just got beaten on the day. Fair enough. Um, Sevilla, we were, we were probably a better team. Um, I think we had... Certainly one or two players who were the best players on the pitch in terms of overall level. And we were 1-0 up. But they'd won that trophy the two years previously. Um, They had the experience of winning. They had a manager who knew how to win those type of games. Yes, you could make an argument that we bottled it because our second half performance was absolutely pathetic. But, again, they'd won it the two years previously. They're defending champions. I don't, I, I don't know that we were favourites in that game. I think they probably were. And then, like last year, Real Madrid, <clears throat> they're going for three in a row, the fourth and fifth in five years. They've got all the world-class players. They've got you know a legend as a manager who's obviously going for his third Champions League in three years, who's won everything as a player as well. There's no, there's no fool on earth who could say we were favourites to win that game. And this year, I mean, no one expect like people say we bottled the title. Like what in what way could you possibly claim we bottled the title? Like we were ahead in January. The title isn't won in January, the title is won in May. Had we lost a game in March or April that gifted the title to City, I could understand maybe a bit of criticism, but we didn't bottle the title. We got ninety seven points. <laughs> The third highest points total ever in the Premier League. The highest ever by a team built within the rules of the game, I might add. Um, But we got 97 points. We lost once all year. And what planet could you possibly say we we bottled that title? Um, And then look at the Champions League. I mean, we we get Bayern. No Virgil in the home leg. We get a nil-nil. That's advantage Bayern as far as everybody's concerned. And we went there and beat them. We we lose to Barca 3-0 over there. We're out, according to everybody. 
and we bring them to Anfield and thump the life out of them 4-0. Like, the, the amount of bottle this team has shown this season, how many late goals did we score? Like, in the last 15 minutes of games, it was definitely the most in the Premier League. And the character, not to use a Brennan Rodgers phrase, but the character this team has shown all year long. And, it, you know, there's there's been a few ever-presence. The midfield obviously changed regularly throughout the season. But, I mean, the likes of Virgil, Matip when he became a regular, what big, big performances game after game. The front three, even when not at the best, still turning up with goals and assists. And, you know, the two full-backs... Absolutely incredible all year. Allison, what a game changer. Like the bottle this team has shown puts to bed any claims they bottled things in the past. There just there's no way you can claim they did. Not this team. In no way that has this team or any member of this team bottled anything at this club. And that's why it gives me hope for next season that this might be the thing that, you know, that's why even the game, the, 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 as soon as we scored, in this, in, in the final, the, 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 you know, the game plan for both teams has gone out the window. I don't think Klopp even expected probably something like that to happen. Neither, neither did Poch, you know. Poch, for me, I, I think they wanted to play it like the Anfield game where they wanted to do the counter. They ended up having the ball for the majority. And I actually think they didn't know what the fuck to do because their game plan, it wasn't their game plan. I just honestly f- firmly believe they looked a bit clueless for 75 minutes because they didn't expect to have the ball. They expected us to dominate with the yeah, ball. And definitely. just, you know, I honestly think they just felt, felt like, this is what? Yeah, I, I think I think our plan probably was to get a goal <clears throat> and then play like we did. But I don't think, we we certainly didn't expect it to be that early in the game. Um, but I, you're totally right. Their, their plan was for us to come out, us to dominate play to be a bit expansive, to leave ourselves maybe a little bit open and then to try and hit us on the break with the pace of Sun, the creativity of Ericsson, the running of Ali, and hope that something would land at Harry Kane's feet that he could just bury. And we didn't allow that to happen because we just gave them the ball and said, right, come and beat us. And they didn't have it, they didn't have it in them. No, they didn't. Like, Sissoko, I mean, the guy's a nothing player anyway, but from... You know, he gives away a penalty after 30 seconds and then he's out of the game. And nobody will ever convince me that he was injured. Nobody will ever convince me that that guy went off the pitch because he was injured. He went off the pitch because he just had enough. He was, he was gone. He was a shadow of a man walking around the pitch for the last 20 minutes he was on it. Uh, he was, he was out of the picture. That's, that's their power in midfield gone. Mm. Winks is a nice, tidy little player, but he's yeah. not going to open a defense. No. And, I thought, now he's gotten criticism, but I thought the job Ginny Wijnaldum did at nullifying Christian Eriksen, if you go back and watch the hour Ginny was on the pitch, I will try, be, and, yeah. try and find Christian Eriksen. He's, not on the, he's, not, he's, got, he's got a Ginny Wijnaldum blanket all over him. <laughs> but when Ginny went off, Eriksen became a factor in the game. Mm. So I thought Mora coming on was the, was the bit that got more space for them. Yeah, well, it it did and it didn't because he obviously he adds another outlet and more and more spit more pace, but he also meant that they lost a man in midfield, and by losing a man in midfield, we then get the advantage in midfield and make things a lot harder for them to play through us. So they're playing two v three in midfield, and one of those two is Ericsson, 
who doesn't really like playing in centre midfield. And then the next change means that Eric Dyer, middle name is, comes on. Guy couldn't pass wind, yet they stick him in midfield in the Champions League final. They're not able to get the ball from back to front unless they're launching it. And do you really want to rely on launching a ball against a team with Virgil van Dijk at centre-back, the best header of a ball in the world? Like, this, the, I think Spurs are a very good team, and I think they'll only, if they can keep everybody and add a couple of pieces, they will only get better. They've got a great manager. Um, they're deep. They've got a good squad in terms of, you know, two players from most positions, two good players from most positions. They're really strong. If they can add a couple more, they'll they'll be back. Like they shouldn't be too downhearted. The same way we we shouldn't have been last year, um, because it was only going to get better for us. And I, I think I honestly think, Gags, we are right on the cusp of doing something very very special at this club, because you look look at the look at the players we have. Every year we've we've ever had um, you know a, a major you know close call. Mm. 0809 08, we knew Alonso was leaving Mash was talking about leaving. there was talk he'd go there was talk Torres could go so we knew someone was gone go back to 05 yeah. and all the talk that Gerard yeah. might go always um, do you we're, know we're not all in that position the, are we now no there's literally it was the same like when Rogers got a second uh, so we all knew Suarez was going last year Phil obviously left middle of the season this year there's no talk, and, and there was talk going into the summer that Mane could go uh, if Sedan had stayed at Real. But this year, there's no talk. Everybody that's important is signed to a new contract or a long-term deal having just joined. Yeah, All the best players are locked in for four, five, six years. Yeah, and if they want to go, they're going to cost 175 to 200 million, and no yeah, one is paying that. Exactly. No one is, that's, and that's the thing. That's what this win does as well. This takes Virgil van Dijk's value from 150 million to 200 million. Mo's value from 200 million to 250. Mane and Bobby from 100 to 150. This puts their value up even further. We are now the number one team in Europe. We're the number one team in Europe. We've, and I heard you say that on uh, Raw. You said you're, we're the number one team over two years because of the se- because of the final last year as well. Yeah, but. When you say that, don't you? And we just discussed this on Media Matters. So if you, if you do want to go back and have a listen to that pod, do do so. But Sachin called it. We're in the midst of a golden era, but we just don't even know it because back to back finals, right, is very rare, mm. right? For especially for an English side, we we didn't we didn't do it with Rafa. It was two. It was two in the, out of three. Two out of three. And this is now three out of four for Jurgen. Well, and, the last time we did back to back was eighty four, eighty five, and you know how good uh, uh, exactly, and you know that was a, that's a golden team. Mm. So, is this yeah, the next is. golden era? And Sachi's got a, a valid point. It's this we are ninety seven points in the league. We never thought at the start of this season, Dave, myself, we've done some, we've done old school all season. We didn't think we could go on both with the squad on both on two fronts. No, definitely not. And I, I certainly didn't expect us to challenge for the title the way we did this season. Um, I thought it'd be next season before we could really challenge for the title. Um, and I, I still think we were a year ahead of schedule with that. I think next year was the year that we had targeted because the team isn't finished yet. No. You nice. know, Klopp has built it stage by stage by stage. He, he started off 
built the attack, then he built the defence, then he got the goalkeeper and almost got the midfield completed last year. This summer, it's just about finishing the midfield and adding depth, and, and then we're good to go. And I think next season, I think we will challenge for the title. I think we'll we'll make another go at getting back to a Champions League final. And, and I saw, I, I saw I'm, Klopp and Van Dijk mention that, like how hard it will be, but. Like they're already looking at it and going, yeah, we can do it. We can get back there again because we know what we're doing is right. So we've we've talked intangibles. We talked this Champions League final in in a ma- in a different way that we would normally. But you also talked about Andrew about um, John Henry and and FSG. And what yes. I want to cover is now for the the last third or maybe however long we go further from this in this pod is talk about transfers the next steps because the aftermath of the champions league and also what he's been saying in the lead-up especially the owners uh, what is uh, john henry like on the eve of the of the of the um champions league final was saying i'm gonna invest this this summer we're investing in players this summer we're, we're gonna give whatever we want whatever they want but that's before he even knows they've won it now now that they've won it the checkbook is just like yo Mr. Edwards, you go and uh, go and get that Bruno Fernandez first, and yeah. you're delict if you want him. Get him too. It's all right. We can afford well, it now. We've just made a quarter of a billion pounds from TV fucking money. That's the thing we have, and we're now we're, we've got to be, if not the most desirable team in in Europe, certainly in the top two or three, to any player out there looking for a move this summer. We've got a world-class manager. We've got world-class players throughout our team. Our player development is second to none. Our fan base is second to none. I don't, I don't know if it's true, but I read today that Klopp asked LFC TV to put together a highlights package of the parade to show to prospective signings as, like, uh, you know, a pitching tool. That was hilarious. If that's true, that's incredible. Well, what that's- he said, this I I watched that right, and um, I forget. Pete, is it McDowell? Pete McDowell? Is it Pete McDowell? Yeah. Yeah. So he asked the question. He goes, "What? What could you know? Looking at this, the win, and then looking at the parade, surely players are looking from the outside in, going, I wanna, I wanna be in that bus. I wanna be there in that club.' And Klopp just smiled and goes. Actually, you're the TV people. Maybe you should just make a video and and send it to me, and I can do that. You know, we can we can sell the club through yeah. this parade. And I was just laughing my ass off. But we can't, though, and that's the thing. It's like, so funny. Like if you look at, it's, you look he said at it in a city. joke, but it's so legitimately said. He he actually actually his it's like a light bulb went off in Klopp's head. Well, I know that other clubs have used their fan culture to sell their club to players. In the past, and I'm sure we do to an extent, but we need to do it even more because the not not just the support at the the parade, but all of you guys that went to Madrid and went to Kiev last year, and and just the way it was handled by all the fans and the support they showed, and like I I I don't know that there's another club that can match. Like it's it's always special to us. Well, you get a club like Real Madrid last year, their fans weren't even all that arsed that they won the European Cup because they've won a whole bunch of them. There's, it's almost like they've got fatigue from winning them all. I don't think we'll ever get to that. 
I don't think it'll ever get to the point with with our fan base where you know we could win three Champions Leagues in a row or four and five years and not be arsed about them. We'd still send eighty, ninety thousand people to the final, you know, to just go and invade a city. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's crazy. If, if if the football club of Liverpool decided they wanted to take over the world, they probably could because they get the numbers. You, it's easily. just it's just just come back from Madrid. And, you know, I've, I've likened the Jamie Webster concert thing that they did in the fan park to Live Aid. Literally, the scenes were breathtaking, breathtaking scenes. It's, I, I don't see any other club able to put that on. And yes, it's a little manufactured because they chose the location. They knew how it would look and they, but that is what a good club does. It sets it up to make it look unbelievable. But not only that, the club trusts its mm. fan base to go and do that. That's but the big thing. what other club has that? No one. Like, no one else has that. Like, when United got the Champions League finals, there wasn't, like, anybody doing what Jamie Webster's doing. Like, Jamie Webster's obviously a very talented musician. And... He he his he is sorted for life because that kid can just play. Well, he's not a kid; he's a grown ass man. But like, he can just do nights like that and have. He was at the after party singing 50, for him. Six, but yeah, that's the, and that's the thing. He is now part of the club. Yep. From from what he does, and but no other club has that. I mean, when he when he started doing these type of things and and coming up with these songs, or when. When a boss night started putting on these events, they, I doubt any of them expected that the club would full on embrace it the way they have. I don't think Jamie Webster ever expected that he'd no. be playing to the players after yeah. they won a Champions League final. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's what this club is about. I know it sounds cheesy to outsiders, but it does mean more. It does. It's not just. It's not just about supporting the club it's about it becomes a way of life and when when we lose a game and thankfully it doesn't happen very often we're all absolutely devastated for like an entire week yeah or until the next game or whatever it is i don't know the other like i i work with you know across the the board like united fans city fans my stepfather is a city fan i've got united fan mates arsenal mates and I don't see that it ever that it affects their moods the way it does with us. Oh man, it destroys us. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. I, I, I like I, I, I felt really sorry. I know people use them as a a punchline, but I felt really sorry for the Arsenal fan TV lads watching them in Baku because those lads go to every game without fail. Those got those guys DT. Uh, troops and and is it Rob, Robbie's the main guy? They they go to everything. They're always there, and they have watched some absolutely abysmal stuff over the last few years. They've gotten their asses to Baku, which and I've been to Baku. Did and you it's see a lovely video place. though about how they were you know were making money off of a loss? Did you see no. that? Okay, so no. basically, they accidentally left the camera running when they put it down, and they've been caught. Just talking loads of shit, and it's backfired badly. 
Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, you but need to my, go watch my, that. My greater point of it was yeah. just was yeah, watching on. how despondent they were, having brought like hold their asses to Baku. Now, I've been to Baku and it's it's a lovely place, but it's very very hard to get to. Mm. There's only certain places you can fly into Baku from, so you you can't just do a direct like there's no you can't go from Dublin to Baku or London to Baku. You've got to fly to like you know St Petersburg or whatever and or Moscow and and transfer or whichever way you want to go. But like you see those guys do that, but like the next day you kind of get the feeling that like they're over it, like you know they're fine. Whereas with us, like I remember last year, we were all like Fabinho thing helped massively because we announced that a couple of days after the final, so that sort of lifted everybody's mood. And I wonder if that was if that was planned, like if it was a thing of we were going to wait and announce it a few weeks later, but we announced it early because we lost the final. But like everybody was just despondent after the final last year, and after the Barca game this year, we were. All in ruins, and I remember the league game. I think, I think the company goal ruined us as well. Yeah, the company goal was harder to take than the, the disappointment on the final day mm. when we when we did end up finishing second. Even though, like for what five minutes, we were actually top yeah. after Brighton scored, but none of us expected <laughs> no. to, to to win the title on the final day. It was another that miracle in it. Goal, it would have to yeah, be the, another miracle. It would have the company goal. It was horrible. Like it, it genuinely was. It was absolutely horrible when that went in. That fucker could hit that shot a hundred times, and it's not going anywhere near. It won't even. Hit, he won't even hit it on target most of the time. But just once off, he buries in the top corner, and it's an incredible strike. But it was horrible to take. But I, I don't see a fan base that gets more invested in their club than us. Like maybe some of the clubs, like Newcastle. Or Sunderland, or, or clubs like that, May, maybe them, but they're obviously at a much lower level than us. Mm. But there's an attachment to our club and an attachment from the club to the fans that I think is genuinely special. I yeah. genuinely do. And I, Trev talked about Klopp being absolutely perfect in every way yeah. for this club, and I, I think the owners are, are the same. I think they're absolutely perfect because. Yeah, it, it. I mean, people talk about. Wouldn't it be great to have the oil money and 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 all this if we if we no. had a Bramford? It'd be horrible. It'd be horrible. None of the none of the success would feel the same. And then they'd go, and the club would be left in ruin. But, Our but the other thing is, Dave, right. what you don't realize is that when you owning a Manchester City is totally is completely different mm. to owning a superpower in football. If they own yeah. Liverpool. They, that means they would put prices up. They know that the demand's there. They won't give a flying exactly. shit about the locals. They won't give a crap about anything. They would just go and change it all and try and milk as much as possible out of it. Because, Look, I, I, because I think they Man City, they got it on the cheap. And, you know. It. And like their history, like they, they do have some history. They're not like Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. They course. do have some history. And they had that great team in the seventies with Lee Bell and Summerby and it was all and, and Young and it was all great for them and you know, they talk about Malcolm Allison still and <clears throat> Joe Mercer and that's all fantastic. Well, you know, they have their history. When they had were at Main Road and they were playing in like the equivalent of League One and they were selling out, that's brilliant. They they had a fan base. They they have all that. But like you say, they got the club on the cheap, 
they don't fill their stadium. There isn't a demand to fill their stadium. So they can sell season. They just sell season tickets at like, I think, 350 quid. Someone told me is the cheapest season ticket at Man City. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the cheapest season ticket at Anfield is about 750 euro. Yeah, it's double. So, and the, and the waiting list is about 10 years. Yeah. So realistically, right, you think of it, a couple of years ago, FSG decided to raise the, 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 the ticket prices. Mm. And the fans held the walkout and, you know, there was letters sent and people got quite rightly annoyed because the, the, the product that was on the pitch wasn't worth paying any extra money for. Nope. And the club went, right, fair enough. We'll just freeze the ticket prices. That's fine. You know, we don't want an argument over this. If, if people aren't going to be happy, they could easily have just gone, oh, fuck you. We're upping the price again. Double. The tickets are double now. If you don't mm. like it, tough. And you would have got a whole bunch of people that would have handed back the season tickets. Mm. And a load of locals would have been frozen out or they would have just... Because the locals, obviously, the club represents the city. So yeah. the, the locals... It, the city represents the yeah. locals. And the mindset of the of the locals goes into the city, goes into the club. So they would... And it's a traditionally socialist city as well. So they would have gone, well, fuck it. We'll, you know, we'll go and we'll support Formby or... You know, AFC and, Liverpool. Yeah, AFC Liverpool or, you know, mm. whatever, a local team, like, a, yeah, a, a Phoenix club. Or we'll all go to Chester and we'll support Chester or whatever. And and that would have been, the club owners would have been like, that's grand. We have 10 years worth of people here on a waiting list. Do you think there's not enough people on the waiting list to fill the stadium? Of course there is. Of course there is. And they would have had more Thomas Cook packages and... You know, there would have been more planes coming in from all different parts of the world. With exactly, and your point here is, your point here is, the owners yes. valued fans, and they value the local fans, they value the local community. When they started to remodel Anfield, one of the big delays was they wanted to take care of the L4 area. They didn't just want to build a big monstrosity, knock down a load of housing and go out, oh, scram, forget about it, the council can clean it up. They wanted to do it right, and they wanted to do right by the people. And they've done that successfully. They'll do it the same with the Anfield Road End. They'll do it the same with the Kirby uh, the, the Kirby, um, Kirby redevelopment yes. for the Academy slash uh, training ground. And they'll do the same with Melwood. They'll find a way to do something with Melwood that benefits the local community. Because that's John Henry cares. People may think he doesn't, but he does. And all you need to do is look at his history with the Boston Red Sox. And look how much care he has put into everything he's done there, including the expansion of Fenway Park, the the involvement of, of supporters, the preservation of the history of the Boston Red Sox. And he's done the same for us. And a lot of people complained that, oh, well, you know, where's the new stadium? We, we want a new stadium. We mm. want the stadium of Stanley Park. All well and good. I can appreciate your arguments, but have a look at Arsenal. Have a look at Arsenal. One of the best teams in Europe for the 10 years leading up to the Emirates. And now where are they? And where have they been for the last 10 years? Because they've got no money to spend. How much money have Spurs spent since the new, since the, you know, the new stadium got close to final? final? Nothing. Nothing. The last player they bought was Lucas Moura, who arrived in the same transfer window as Virgil. 
do you know if you it's all well and good to want the new stadium but if you're going to do it right and run your club properly and make everything sustainable the way fsg have done it you can't buy a new stadium or build a new stadium rather and remain competitive on the pitch totally agree and that's why you know they need to they you know we have to give so much credit to them so much credit to the owners and and you know it's not even a joke and it's just everything is just fitting into place so nicely. Mm. Like we, we've been talking, and it's been on uh, money talks. It's been on all the previous shows that I do. That the desperation was real this year to win something, because the timing of it is so good financially as well. Not just because of us. Like, like we've already discussed how happy we are and what it means to us as a fan base, but then us personally on what we do here on this website. But then what it means financially for the club in terms of all the new deals coming up and whatever this this literally could push liverpool on its way to becoming the biggest club in the world like oh sorry okay maybe it's that's a bit of an over exaggeration with barcelona and real madrid but it could be go it could be going in that direction and it will be making its own money it's not relying on fucking taking loans or or a monarchy you know? Yeah, I think it'll always it Rail and Barca will always be I think the two biggest for differing reasons. Number one, I mean, as you say, they're they're held up by government. Like well Barca mostly by the, the Catalan people and you know they're kind of a symbol for Catalan independence. But Rail are held up by the Spanish government. And then there's also like the South American factor, the fact that players in South America grow up and when they talk about going to Europe they talk about, you know, we want to play for Barca or for Real. Um but then there's the other two super clubs in world football, um, who are Bayern Munich and unfortunately that chair of horrible fuckers up the way in Manchester, uh, Manchester United. They're super clubs. They're clubs who produce vast amount of revenue, who obviously have incredible success behind them and great history and whatever, great fan bases. We kind of sit in the tier below them with, with Juventus and a, a couple of others. It's, it, again, it's an elite bracket, but it's not quite the super club bracket. AC Milan would be in that, that top tier if they could get their shit together. Um, but they, they probably sit a, a little bit below us now. Um, but there's no doubt that we can use this as a springboard to, over the next four to five years, cement ourselves right there with United and with Bayern. Think back to the 70s and 80s when we were winning everything and United won absolutely fuck and all. And nobody thought that by the end of the 90s, United would be, and it pains me to say this, they would be a much bigger club than Liverpool. And by 1999, when they won the treble and they'd won a bunch of Premier League titles and every player was clamouring to go there, they were a much bigger club than us. And that gap grew a bit more. Now, Istanbul helped pull it back because obviously we got an explosion in the fan base. And that's another thing. People may prepare themselves. We are going to see a massive influx of fans over the next 12 to 18 months because of what just happened in Madrid. And, And that's a good thing. I know some people are against the idea of anybody new coming to support us, but it's a good thing because the more fans, the more eyeballs, the more money, the more money the better the players. So it's a good thing for us. We're going to get more fans. We're going to grow our our global profile, which will lead to more sponsorship. 
more companies wanting to get into bed with Liverpool Football Club, form long-term partnerships. Remember as well, we're currently in negotiations over our kit deal. Do you think we may have told everybody, right, let's pause a moment now. Last week you were negotiating with Liverpool Football Club to be the next maker of our kit. Now you're negotiating with the European champions to be the next maker of our kit. Everything's just gone up. It'll be the same when the standard charter deal comes up. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a new shirt. It's a new shirt sponsor after that. I do. I wouldn't be surprised. I think it will be. I think it will be. I don't think stand. I don't think standard charter will be able to afford us. No. So if you, if you talk about the the kit deal first, um, with I mean, the, I, I'm I'm not a big fan of Nike, but I do think if they they have money, they have money to burn, like literally money to burn, mm. and this is the ideal spot for them because. They've lost everyone in the Premier League after next season, I think. So our last, our last year with um, MB, uh, New Balance, is I think their last in the Premier League. They won't have another club. So the the next season after that, they're looking for someone, and we have to announce that very soon, or at least in the next uh, three to six months. They they're at the table. They're at the table, and they I are. think I think the the the, part, the the cost was looking at eighty before. I reckon we'll be going closer to ninety, ninety five hundred a million a, a year. I would ask yeah. for that. And I, that so would, would I, be and get a ten year deal, mate. Yeah. Ten year deal one billion pound sponsorship. Mm. Your club's Lock it fucking in. set. Well, the only thing I would say though is that a billion now isn't a billion in, in seven years' time. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Maybe go for a five-year deal. Like, you say. look at United, right? Mm. They signed that ludicrous deal with with Nike. No, with Adidas, rather. And it looked it, it looked like nobody would ever get close to it. But now a couple of teams have passing. Bayer, uh, Barca and Bayern have passed that United deal with Adidas. Um, Bayern's deal is obviously different because Adidas are, are a partner. They're not a sponsor. So they actually have a place on the Bayern board and, and they have some shares and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the, the, the new Barca deal with, with Nike, that's off the charts as well. So I, I, I do, I think I would prefer a, a five year deal regardless, but I, I do have a strong favorite for who makes our next deal. And that is the company that gives us the biggest bag of money. And I don't care what the kits look like. As long <laughs> as they're red and they have the liver bird, I don't care about any of the rest of it. Mm. Um, I care about who gives us the biggest bag of money because whoever gives us the biggest bag of money allows us to go and buy better players, which allows us to win more, which then allows us to ask for more on the renewal. And that's how United built their club. They won. They got new sponsors. They won again. They asked for more money. They got more money. They won again and so on and so forth. And that's how Ferguson and United dominated English football for the better part of 20 years. We may never dominate in that fashion because they didn't have a Manchester City um, to, to, to deal with. They didn't have anything like this. Arsenal were built the right way, but you know United had a massive financial edge over them. It's only when Chelsea came along that United didn't have the financial edge, but they, they still won quite a bit. And they were still equal with Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea, despite Roman, were never spending more than United. Um, but City can obviously always expand us until either... Somebody enforces a rule or two, or until the Saudis get bored and fuck off home, um, take their blood money and go away. Um, I mean, it must be terrible to be owned by one of them. Imagine, imagine 
being owned by one of those groups of people and then trying to lecture anybody on any moral issue ever. Oh, you've got a view on abortion. Right, really. What's the views? What's the Saudi view on abortion? Oh, good stuff. Um, it just, sorry. <laughs> I, you just, I just couldn't Fucking, be handling Yeah. Been owned by any of those, any of those groups of people like you. No. It just, it wouldn't sit well. It wouldn't sit well with the club. It would actually, it would, it would poison the club. It would tear out the fiber of the club and everything that makes the club what it is. Yeah. And everything um, points to saying that they're, they're, they're pretty nailed on perfect for the club. You know, yeah. with the time, times, you learn with, you learn over time and, you know, it takes sometimes time to get big corporations into the right position. And also they've learned from mistakes, which is a good sign as well because exactly. they hired the wrong people at times. They're not wrong. They're, we've gone in the wrong direction a couple of times. We nearly got lucky with, with the Rogers one. We nearly had a, per- remember we called it a perfect storm. Everybody called it a perfect storm. It was literally almost a perfect storm. But, um, uh, I, yeah, I coined that and everybody robbed it. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> After that, I think. But look at it this way, right? I was actually thinking of this as we were, as the game was ending on, on Saturday. This is how fucked up my head gets at times. I'm watching Allison make saves and Virgil just be phenomenal. I'm yeah. thinking like, look at those big, beautiful bastards that we spent all this money on. Look how good they are. And then I was thinking to myself, fucking hell, remember when we signed Andy Carroll and Stuart Downing for massive fees? Like, do you remember how bad we were at transfers then and what happens now and the circumstances of now and the people in positions now, Edwards, Klopp, Fallows, Hunter, these type of guys all working together as a unit and not one single transfer since Jurgen Klopp took over could be considered a failure. Not one. And there's been quite a few of them. And not one of them could be considered a failure. There's a couple that you would say are kind of, you know, average, like Carius, for example. But we'll, we will still make big money when we sell him. Clavan, we'll still make, we, you know, he, he, he served the purpose of what we wanted in a fourth centre back. Matip before this season, but if we sold Joe Matip tomorrow, that's 25, 30 million easy for that guy based on what he's shown this season. Um, Solanke, but we got, 21 million, 19, 19 million, 19 million for Solanke off a of 4 million investment. And then you've got like the Manes, the Moes, the Bobbies. Oh, well, Bobby was before, obviously, but yeah, as if Klopp wasn't involved in that. Uh, Ginny, uh, Allison, all of these guys that they've brought, Andy Robertson, probably the biggest success in terms of what we paid for and what we get tomorrow if we sold them. Everything happened for a reason. And all of the mistakes that they made along the way in terms of, you know, appointments or purchases or decisions like to put the, the seat, the, the the ticket prices up or whatever it may be, all of those things that they've done, they've learned from. And when people criticize them for not being at every game, don't think they're not involved every day in the day-to-day running of it. Mike Gordon is there every day. And as per that hilarious, now infamous piece by Neil Ashton, Michael Edwards keeps Tom Werner up to date on what's going on from his end every single day. And I would imagine everyone from all areas of the club keep John Henry, Tom Werner, and Mike Gordon 
up to speed every single day on what's happening in their department. So these guys may not be there every day, but don't ever think for a second that they're not completely invested, that they don't care. These these guys, John Henry is a genius. John Henry is the most intelligent person any of us have ever had come into our lives in any way. And like he's obviously in our lives in a very unusual way in that he's the owner of a football club. We've never met him and likely never will. But he's in our lives, and he is the most intelligent person any of us have in our lives. Don't think he does anything that he hasn't given considered thought to. Amazing, amazing. Let's um. So these owners, like I said, uh, have talked about supporting Klopp again this summer mm. and providing uh, enough transfer fees, or at least the players. So, would you would you want? Enough players or a small squad? I mean, we were talking to, I was talking to someone more fantasy type of stuff now, where I said I would like to go for pretty much everything if I could in a season. I would like a squad big enough to not worry about that. I shit, we need to save him for the next game, but have enough quality to say we can cover everything. Now, I know that's, we're living in, a, that's living in a fucking dream world, but when you're earning this type of money, <laughs> Mm. <laughs> why, why not buy three or four more first team players but it's not a first team game anymore it's a squad game and there's 66 games that can be 80 games or if if you play everything you know go as far for everything maybe not 80 but 70 something um that's plenty of games for uh, a squad to play in i think personally if you manage it right i would i would love dave for this to become this summer to become the summer where Liverpool just said, you know what, we've won it. Now we're going to show you how to fucking dominate. Yeah, that's what we should do. And you know how I was saying earlier, like when Liverpool go back into negotiations with Nike and Adidas and New Balance and say, right, last week it was Liverpool. Now it's the European champions that you're negotiating with. When Jurgen Klopp walks in to have a wee chat about the new contract that he's definitely going to be offered. Um, he doesn't need to say anything. Not a word does that man need to speak. All he needs to do is take his Champions League winner's medal and slide it across the table. And John Henry, Tom Werner, whoever else is in the meeting, Mike Gordon will be there. Billy Hogan might be there. They should just back him to the absolute hilt. And say to him, Jürgen, give us three names, anybody you want. Now, not Mbappe, because that's obviously, I mean, that's 250 million for one kid. But give us three names and we'll go get them for you. And if Klopp was to say to them, right, get me Delict, get me Kai Havertz and get me Joe Felix. Yeah, it might take 200 million to get the three of them. But as you said earlier, in terms of just the TV money, from the Premier League and the Champions League. What was it, 250 million? Yep. Just this season? Just this season. So the money's there. Just this season, that money is there to spend. Or, or it's there it, to spend in theory. Well, there'll be more, so, won't there? There'll oh, be more coming in from all the sponsors we, and everything else. That's exactly it. And all I, I'd imagine, I'd imagine, given Bill Hogan is, is, is incredibly good at what he does, there's probably built in. Um, clauses that, you know, as and when we win things, 
everything goes up. Oh shit! Yeah. Also, the feeder cubs need playing. Paying. Sorry, Roma and Mo will will uh, Roma for Mo and Allison will will have some kind of clause for winning yeah, it. But, uh, Van but Dijk, it's only a couple of million each. Van, Van yeah, Dyke, yeah. I don't think there is for winning the Champions League. I think it's the league. Right. That is on Virgil. But I could be wrong. But if it is, it's a couple of million here and there. You might be talking 20 million. That's fine. Sell. Well, look, Danny Ings is going. There's 20 million straight away that covers that all the money that will be due to those clubs for the players we've gotten. But we could go out this summer and we could just, we could just go balls to the wall this summer. We don't need a, th- a ton. It's not like we need to go and buy eight players. But ideally, you would want a backup goalkeeper. And we went through this on the committee pod. Adrian would actually, the more I think about it, I love Dan's suggestion. Adrian would be perfect. He's on a free. His wages won't be crazy. The signing on fee won't be crazy. And he will be happy to be back up at Liverpool. And stylistically, he fits. Um, we could do it a backup right back and a backup left back. We could do it, a, you know, a new centre back. Delict obviously, is the one we picked on the committee pod. Um, so why not? Why not just go and do it? Look, he's not good. Like the wage thing that United are offering, that's all just media nonsense. They're not offering him 350 grand a week. They're just not. It's bullshit. Of course it's bullshit. It's, it's their attempts to appease the fan base that are about to lose their minds because they've finally realized, oh God, we've appointed Oli Gunnar Solskjaer and he's not very good as, as a manager. Um, so go and get him. He's sitting there waiting for someone to buy him. Why not buy him? We need a goal-scoring attacking midfielder. I Bruno Fernandes is is the one I would want, but Kai Havertz is the one that Klopp has had his eye on for a long time. So why not? It's you know you might look say seventy-five for each of them, or mm. maybe a little less for Havertz, and then you could go and get um, Joe Felix. We have players we could throw into that deal as well, into all the deals. Like all of those clubs would love to get their hands on someone like Marco Grujic. You know, all of those clubs would probably like to get their hands on someone like Rafa Camacho. So, and I, I reckon Harry Wilson would would tempt um, one or two of them as well. So, why not do it? Like, why not just say, right, we're going to put a marker down here. We This is the, the opportunity to do it because we're so appealing now to players because we've just won the European Cup, because of Klopp, because of the chance to play with the likes of Virgil, Mo, Mane, Bobby, uh, Alisson, Fabinho, Naby, that's thing, like Naby next season is just going to be insane to watch as well. So we have the opportunity to just go now, put our foot on the throat of Europe and say, do you know what? We're done fucking around. You may have all your money, Manchester City. You may have all your money, PSG, but you will never have what we have. Real Madrid and Barcelona, your time has passed. Because Real, you're a mess. And Barca, Messi's not getting younger. Suarez is coming to the end of his days. Uh, Coutinho didn't work for you. Dembele didn't work for you. You have nothing coming through your academy that's anywhere close to the level of the players that you had coming through 10, 12 years ago. So you're going to have to rebuild and try and come back as a different type of force. I don't see anything out there to stop us if we were to really put our foot to the floor now I don't see anybody that could could really stop City obviously will will still be there but if if the rules are enforced they're not going to they're going to stop in a threat quite quickly um and no one ever really worries with PSG because the makeup of that club is just dreadful 
and they're all in it for themselves and no one actually gives a shit about the club. They're all just there for the financial gain of being there and they're all getting the money regardless whether they win everything or nothing. So who cares about them? Bar Juventus and Bayern, who are the two best-run clubs in Europe along with ourselves, I don't see anybody else on the landscape. United will get back. They, It might take them another four or five years, but they'll eventually get back. But Chelsea, no, not worried about them. Arsenal, not worried about them. Spurs will be very good again, but I think their ceiling is below ours. I think we have a, an opportunity here to really establish ourselves as the number, like I said it already, we're the number one team in Europe now. We can establish that for the next three, four, five years. Even if we're not winning the European Cup every year, because that'd be ridiculous to expect, we could be winning, you know, we could win three Premier League titles over the next five years and maybe another European Cup, another two European Cups maybe. And then all of a sudden, as the likes of Mane, Mo, and Bobby are stepping back and being moved on, the likes of the late Joe Felix and uh, Kai Havertz, they are becoming the central point of the team. They're all hitting their mid-twenties, hitting their prime years. We have such a great opportunity. The worst thing we could do is to rest on our laurels. The idea that's been perpetrated by morons in the press don't need to do anything major this summer is nonsense. You absolutely do it when you have the opportunity to do it. Or you end up screwed. And when I heard John Henry say that he will put the money forward, we will spend the summer, that was the best thing I heard all week, other than the final whistle. <laughs> yes, brilliant. That's exactly right. I think um, I think you, you went through it there really nicely. I think a lot of clubs are in a, um, you know, a state of change or uh, impending change. And I think Man City, if, if, if someone can throw some books at them, could be in a bit of a pickle and Chelsea already in a pickle. And then Arsenal, with what's happened to them, they're, they're stuck again. Tottenham might have an exodus on their hands very soon. This could really open up for Liverpool mm. to really put the foot down and on the throat and just say, you know what, guys, you're all, you're all in that messed up period. We're here. Now, I want to end with a bell end of the week. And I actually kind of might have found one for you. Well, before we do that, I want to hear about Madrid because you were far too drunk. I wasn't drunk. Too... I was emotional. You were very excited. Yes. Also, I, I I don't know if you've listened back to Raw and heard my suggestion. You need to change phone provider, buddy. No, no. Ed, the big difference Eddie was... The big Eddie di- came on. See, the difference is Eddie was, Eddie was not by the stadium. I was right by the tube. When I called uh, you. So if I'm by the tube, my reception was going to be worse. Oh, Whereas okay. Baji probably called you from outside the stadium, so it's fine in the open. That's that's television's horrendous thing. To you. Uh, of course, yes. Television's horrendous. And, uh, and uh, the famous, the famous horrendous thing. And, um, I was just coming out of the tube station, but I was desperate to get on. It was so funny. It, it was, was funny. Old. When I listened back, I was laughing my head off. Because uh, I thought you were laughing at me the way I was talking. I was but... laughing at you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, as in what I was saying. But the, what you were laughing at, you couldn't hear anything. <laughs> couldn't hear a bit of it. The second hey, bit, the second bit, hey, I got hey. the second bit. I got most of my, what I wanted to say out. Yeah, which yeah. was nice. But Madrid is Madrid was beautiful. Madrid was um, it was just so po- poetic, you know. After losing to Real, winning it in their city, obviously not their stadium, but in their city, it just. 
I did everything superstitious wise that what I did in Istanbul. I made sure I did everything that I did in Istanbul. It felt like Istanbul the night before um felt like Istanbul. Um every every and it's just weird. My I've been to four European finals. The two that I caught flights from Manchester with one. There's just little things that I just keep noting that I did from for the, these that match up. It was, but the actual atmosphere out there, there was nobody aggressive. There was nobody fighting. Mm. You know, I heard a few little things, but those little things are going to happen. Apart from those little things, which are minors, everything was so well behaved between two sets of supporters that are well, a credit to English football. I have to say. They were we were they were outnumbered seven to one, so really a lot we should get seven times the credit, let's let's be honest. But you have to say that they took the loss really well, they didn't go fighting people. I was going speaking to them and saying, you know, I know I, I was actually going and sitting next to people either standing next to them on the metro or when I was waiting for an Uber there was a few sitting on steps on the side of the road and I went and sat next to him. I just said they were looking really down bit, obviously as you would, and I said, We were here last year. We felt really bad as well, so we know how it feels. You'll be okay, you know. And um, that's it. And I think, but Mouse you know what he said back, Dave. You know what he said back though. What he goes, thanks, mate. But you're here all the time. Yeah, that that is fair. Yeah, exactly. And I shut that up. I said, fair. and I said, fine. I'll walk away because at the end of the day, four finals in fucking fourteen years, and and we spent like eight out of Europe. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like we we are used to this. Like Europe is is just part of what we do as a football club. It's not it's not what they do. It's it's new to them. But I I do I think Spurs are at the start of something that that could become a great era for them. They, this this is probably the best team they've ever had, and they've won titles in the past. But I think this is probably the best team they've ever had, unless Poch leaves. Unless Poch leaves, and and that's the thing. But the question is, where would he go? If yeah, he there's not the many summer? options, right? Unless, well, see, the thing is, there's a couple of jobs that might open up. The the one job that may open up next summer that might tempt him is the Man City job if they haven't had the book thrown at him, mm. uh, thrown at them. Um, if if Simeone decides to leave Atletico at any point, I think that's where Poch will end up. I think Zidane is probably back for you know three or four years at Real. Um, Bayern, of course, could open up, but you just don't know. Like, um, and he he has to go and start over again at those clubs. Like, he's he's built something at Spurs, and yeah, yeah it might take the thing. Like, look at us, right? We had to sell Coutinho, who for a couple of years was the only bright spot in our team. We had to sell him to become great. We had to sell him to win the Champions League. They might have to sell Harry Kane or Christian Eriksen to to win major honours. And if they do, they should. There's there's too many people buy into this thing that selling your best players is a backward step. It's not always. It's a it's if you don't invest the money properly. It's if you do what we did with the Torres money and buy Andy Carroll, or if you do what we did with the Suarez money and buy Lalana and Lovren. Sure, that's a backward step. But if you do what we did with the Kevin Keegan money and you buy Kenny Dogleash and Alan Hansen, or you do what we did with the Coutinho money and you buy Virgil and Alison Becker, 
that's look how much better we are. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? So they could sell if they look if someone offered them 150 million for Harry Kane, they would be insane to turn it down. You would eat like they already have a ready-made replacement in Son, and I think they look better when Son plays than when Ericsson plays, or than than when Kane plays. They could go and buy a couple of world-class midfielders. They could buy Endembele for about sixty million, and one other for in the you know may, maybe go and buy Yuri Tillmans for forty million, and then you still got fifty million left to go and buy a nominal attacking replacement for um for Kane. They could they could buy Nicholas Pepe. They could buy Memphis Depay. They would have they could become a better team. They could get three exceptional footballers for one so they shouldn't just go oh if we lose him it's all over potch is the key keep hold of potch and everything else will be fine if you have to sell kane get the most money you possibly can for him and reinvest it properly in three two or three top-notch players there's no question spurs can get better from here and you know it their fans are obviously despondent, but I thought they handled themselves brilliantly. They've been very, very good on on social media. The, the, my, the Spurs fans and friends were mm. all of them rang me after the game to say congrats and all this kind of stuff. I've got family uh, family Kev members. Was on very step classy. Kev De Vries. Hmm? Kev De Vries very Kev, classy. Well, Kev De Vries is is probably the classiest person I've ever met. Uh, he's just a gen an absolute gentleman, but he has been phenomenal after the game and i'm doing a podcast with him hopefully hopefully the next couple of days to do a season review for all 20 premier league teams mm. uh the one we do every year um for epl roundtable and we'll do that and i'm looking forward to talking to kev because mm-hmm. kev's my kev is my friend he's not just someone i podcast no. with he's my friend and i felt for him of course you do, you do you do you know what i mean to... I, in a way, I wish it wasn't them that we'd beaten, but, you know, that's who we had to play and that's who we had to beat, and we beat them. And it, I'd feel much worse if we had lost. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. for him that we won. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, it's we're champions of Europe, and that's... it. Like, we all remember Istanbul, but Istanbul was insane. Yeah. I was I didn't get to go. I've been at every game that year. I just couldn't go to the final. You were at the final. Yeah. You know, you know what the difference um, is? But this I got to the, every other game this, that year. This is the difference, Dave, between Istanbul. Istanbul, right, was an event. Was an event mm-hmm. and an unforgettable event, miracle event that no one will ever forget and no one will ever top. Yeah. But yeah. this victory, it's, it's not an event. It's a, it's, it's like a statement. This one's a statement. This is, this that, is a statement. That was, that was a one-off. That was that's exactly that. Istanbul was a one-off because, as I said on Raw, we were nowhere close to the best team no. in Europe. We weren't even the best team in England that year. This this European Cup is the culmination and the result of years of planning and hard work of building. Rafa done that in his first year. He was only in the door. He wasn't his squad. And, you know, we had a bit of luck here, a bit of luck there, you know, some big results. We obviously knocked out great teams along the way and, and beat a great team in the final. But at the end of the day, we were 3-0 down and they bottled it. Like, that's what it does come down to. If we lost the game, we were 3-0 down at half time. we would say we bottled that. 
they bottled that final. We had an incredible six minutes, and they absolutely smashed the life out of us for the for the remain, remaining one hundred fourteen. They really of that did. Game. If you thought then, if you thought you were on edge for for ninety five minutes in this game because we were one nil mm-hmm. up, try being us. The, the, I mean, majority of the people that were there were probably in Istanbul, but just try try being the people that were in that stadium that felt the absolute devastation of losing three nil. Yeah. Then coming back and then holding on for another fucking sixty minutes, like exactly. with no shots, like we did no shots. Li- literally and, had and, no and chances. Let's not forget that Dudek save as well. Yeah, exactly. We a were just holding on. Time, like Shevchenko at that point, at that point in time, peak was the best number nine in the world. He scores that ninety nine times out of a hundred. I have no idea to this day how Jersey Dudek saved it. And I don't think Jersey Dudek ever had a fucking clue how he how he uh, saved it. How did Truri make that save off the line and shit and all that? Yeah, you know what I mean. But and like, then Cara, was, Cara and Gerard just putting their bodies on ev- the line. Gave, oh. Give it everything. Sammy Hippie headed away everything. Oh. Carragher blocked and tackled everything. Gerard was the same. The two lads were absolutely just tackling everything that moved. It was incredible. But at that point, that was that was a like you say that was a once off. That mm. was. Kind of a, I don't want to use the word fluke, but you know what I mean. It was an it outlier. No, no, no. I think if, what people will understand when you say it, it is a fluke. It, any miracle like that is a fluke. Yeah. You know? But we went into this final as favourites. We went into this final off the back of knocking PSG, Napoli, Bayern Munich, and Barcelona. Three, by the way, three champions in three of the five biggest leagues in Europe. The only one we didn't get was Juve. We knocked them all out, sent them all home. We went into this game as the fi- as, as the favourites. We went into this game off the back of 97 points, off the back of last year's final. We went into this game, and I don't know about you, but I expected us to win. Yep. Mate, I, like I said, we, we actually didn't finish it. When, when I was in Madrid... Sat down next to uh, fans before the game, Spurs fans, when we went for uh, some lunch on the Saturday. And obviously, once we got through the banter, I said, what do you reckon? And they said, in all honesty, you think Liverpool going to win? <laughs> Simple as that. The same way we felt going to Kiev last year, we expected Real to win because they'd won the two years previously because they were better than us. Mm. So... This this doesn't feel like Istanbul because it's not in any way like Istanbul. The only thing that's similar is we've won a European Cup. But this this feels like the culmination of a couple of years or the result of a couple of years hard work by a lot of important people at our club, a lot of building by Klopp and Edwards and, and the owners and, and Billy Hogan and, and whoever else. And it feels like it's the start of something else. It feels like it could be the start of major success. Now, Istanbul, I think we all fooled ourselves into thinking, oh, well, we could win the league next year. And we won the FA Cup, and that was great. And the, yeah, the we, did, we did actually get better after that because we got Torres that year. Those th- those teams, that Torres team oh, was yeah. good. You know, we did. We, it, it's interesting to say that it's quite weird, actually, to think about that we did actually go on an upward trajectory. Afterwards, it did help us a little bit. That's the thing. We went on an upward trajectory, but we never got that high again. No, no. That's and it was weird. Like you think of back to oh seven when we got to the final. Well, it was done on the back of loans, wasn't it? By fucking Hicks and fucking Shite. Exactly. But we got to the final in oh seven. Yeah. 
And we had gotten better from 05 and Milan had gotten worse. And I think a lot of Liverpool fans like did go to that final. And I remember seeing people running around before the game singing, we've won it six times. In Athens, we won it six times. And I remember thinking, Jesus Christ, like we're favourites to win this. I or at know. least we feel, or we, we, I don't know if we were with the bookies, but we felt like we were the well, favourites. We felt like we had a psychological edge, I remember. That, and, you know, that they might just think, what the fuck is this? It's going to happen again. That, that game near killed me. That was just, that's the most depressed I've ever been as a result of football. Yeah. I stayed and I, I missed my flight home after that. And I stayed in Greece for like four days. Um, and was just miserable the entire time. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, joys. But yeah, I mean, look, this, this is different. This is, this does feel like it's the start of something incredible. And even after the final, even after we won it, like even just reading down, you know, people's social media or reading reports in the paper or listening to the players and they're obviously all ecstatic and everybody's delighted, but nobody is, is shocked or surprised and everybody sort of taken it in stride and gone, this is, this is the start. And Klopp said it himself. This is the start. And all, a couple of the players have said it. Virgil said it. This is the first of many, or we hope this is the first of many. And you do sort of get that feeling that if things go well for us this summer, we, we really could set ourselves up to be fucking unbelievable for the next few years. Yeah. And none of these lads are going anywhere. Where would they go? Where can Where they go? would they go? Everywhere is a step down from this. Yeah. Nina said something interesting to me the, the, earlier, actually. She said, um, this is not, this is off the pod. So she said, um, if someone did come in for a Mo or whatever for 200 million, or say for a Firmino or for a Mane, the first thing one of those players should ask in all reality is, okay, you're paying this for me. How much are you paying for Mo and Bobby? Yeah. <laughs> Because it's the trio that works, you know. <laughs> it's the trio that it's the team. What I think her overall general point was that this is a team. It's not individuals. That it's a it's a team that's winning. So you might think the grass is greener. There's a there's a big example somewhere um, where it shows that there's no the grass isn't greener, and the poor chap is probably leaving that place very soon, <laughs> and uh, his name's Phil. So. They've seen that. They've witnessed it. They know. Mm. Maybe sticking around is going to be better for us than anything. We're going to get paid well. We're loved. We're adored. We're worshipped. Where where would it be better? We're comfortable. Where where are they going to get the combination of, like you say, comfort, the treatment of the players, the worship of the players, the money, obviously, and the manager? And, And... the rest of the team. Who out there can you legitimately look at and go, their 11, their best 11 is better than our best 11? And remember, our best 11 didn't even feature in that final because two of our best midfielders, one of them was injured and the other one was sat on the bench because he's been injured for a year. So we're without doing anything, we are automatically better next year. That's take into consideration then you add what we're going to buy this summer and we, we we will spend like we will spend quite a bit i i don't know if we'll have a huge net spend but i think we'll spend 150 million this summer um who can you go to that's going to be better than us next season 
Like, if you put Mane into the Barca team instead of Coutinho, are they better than us? Well, probably, but if we then replace Mane with, you know, 150 million, we're better again. Exactly. I, I think so, you trust that. You, you trust our, um, you know, recruitment to then go and even improve the squad further. Exactly. And I Everything think, at our club is working perfectly see, right now. See, so everybody will want to stay. I can't remember where I read it. I read it somewhere that, you know, that's the first time we rebuilt like Kenny did in in eighties in the eighties when he sold Rushy. Sold Rush. That's another example. Sold Rush, but Barnsby, the Aldridge, and how? Yeah, and and in this one we sold Coutinho and then went and bought all these four players. You know, yeah. Van Dyke and uh, and and Fab and Allison and uh, Cater. And you know, so so well, Cater was before, but you know what I mean. It's, and Shaq. It, yeah, and Shaq. So that's a big squad. That's a, that's a big coverage of squad. And and look what it does. It makes you. It allows you to compete on two fronts. Mm. So if we could do something similar again without selling anyone this season, you could find yourself in a real, real strong That's position. Thing, but we don't, we don't need to sell. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because because we've because we've made so much money. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. All right, Dave. I think that's uh, enough of us now. I think the people might be bored of us by now, but we've, we've <laughs> maybe not. But we'll do another old school with some actual old schoolers. Other old schoolers, uh, very, very soon. I think maybe after the first couple of signings, maybe. Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay, thank you, man. Taking enough of your time. You have a good, uh, good week, and I'm back to work tomorrow as well. Back to reality. But for everybody else, thank you for listening. And this, you know, take it in. Like I said, drink it in. We've won it six times. So there we go, folks. That was old school. I hope you enjoyed listening to. Uh... Gags and Dave, as much as they clearly enjoyed putting that show together for you, it's uh, one of the real favourites on Anfield Index and Anfield Index Pro, uh, listening to those guys chew the fat. So uh, we do hope you enjoyed that one and it's got you excited for, there's not going to be any games, but let's hope you're excited for what's to come in the off-season. I'm sure there'll be the odd transfer or two before we start building up to uh, what's going to be a, a fascinating pre-season and uh, that attempt to try and repeat some of the success we've uh, had this year in Europe and maybe add to it with that Premier League, that much-coveted Premier League. So do keep it tuned to Anfield Index and uh, do come along and join us for the ride at Anfield Index Pro. There's never been a better time to uh, ingrate yourself with loads of Liverpool content and the best way to do that, anfieldindex.com forward slash join. Seven-day free trial, no obligation to buy. Why would you not come along for that ride? We're going to have a player-by-player show. Jan Mulby's going to feature on that, Trev Downey and a few others. It's going to be a fascinating listen. It's going to really focus on the six times. We'll have the Tactics Weekly podcast with uh, Paul Dalgleish, Dan Rhodes, probably Gav Jones and Hamza Hamza of uh, ITV News at 10 fame, which you may have seen this week uh, on on his article that he did about Mo Salah and the Muslim faith within elite football, uh, well worth a read that article if you want to go and look on anfieldindex.com. And uh, we'll also hopefully very soon have a, another episode of The King and AI with Sir Kenny Dalglish. So uh, we're trying to piece all that together for you just now. So some, some fascinating content on the way over the next few days. We love feedback. I always say it, but the best way to give us it is to join our Discord community, anfieldindex.com forward slash Discord. That's D-I-S-C-O-R-D. Many, many subscribers are on there. Still so many aren't. So uh, come and join that community. It's well worth it. It's 
far more insightful than some of the stuff you see on Twitter or Facebook. And obviously we are still on those platforms as well. We're on Facebook, just search for Anfield Index. And uh, of course we are on Twitter. We have two handles. There's at Anfield Index for uh, the normal Anfield Index uh, content. And of course we have the uh, subscriber side uh, over at Anfield Index Pro to comment on the content there. Agree with anything Gags, Dave uh, said. Uh, We know that Dave likes to give opinion. Uh, Some of you may agree. Some of you may disagree with some of the things he had to say on the show. Do let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear them and the best way to do that as i say is on the discord community i'm gonna go and rest my voice now i heard that uh plum juice is the thing uh singers like adele and all that vouch for that now my acoustics will never ever be at that level but i'm uh i'm gonna go and give that a whirl and then maybe after the weekend i can uh start speaking properly again but we did want to bring you this off the wall and uh thanks to guy drinkle as ever for producing all the hard work he puts in behind the scenes uh for this for this off the wall show so until next time up the reds Podcast Network.